0: The package being delivered. What are you guys going to do for Thanksgiving? Uh,
1: I am already at my, at my in-laws. We're splitting the cooking up three ways, so I'll be doing that. Starting as soon as I am uh, done with work today. What about you?
0: Uh, we've got a friend coming over. So we, uh, we live pretty far away from... My family's in Texas, I'm in South Carolina, so... Right. Make the trip for Christmas but not for Thanksgiving. So uh-huh. we have friends come over Classic. and we do like a we're doing a big meal here.
1: Cool. That's great. What about you, Emily?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm making the trek out to Long Island tomorrow morning, um, because I refuse oh, yeah? to take the Long Island Railroad the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I I took it once uh, when I was going to my in-laws for Thanksgiving, and there were like kids that seemed like they were on the precipice of throwing up from drinking so much Hell on the train. Yeah, there were. It- <laughs> I was like really cl- could not get farther. I was so close to them, and I was like, "This is just going to end so horribly." Look, I've seen it uh, all
2: on the Long Island Railroad. It's yeah. it's a it's a rail service of magic, whatever that kind of magic is, whether it be like dark magic or you know good magic. Who's to say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that's definitely right.
2: Your mileage may vary. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's funny. I didn't think about like the need to uh, get really messed up before you go home for Thanksgiving when you're like 22.
1: Seems like it's a rite of passage for certain people heading east from Brooklyn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: well, I mean, I think it's also like you know, there's the there's the Thanksgiving tradition in in many a suburban hometown of you know going to the to the local bar that you were not old enough to go to when you were in high school mm-hmm. to then see all of the right. people not not something that i have ever partaken in or have any desire to do but
0: oh that you know, i've done
2: some of the like one version of that is also going to the city from long island getting super trashed at whatever shitty bar that you and your friends would get trashed at when you were in high school um Part of the thing too is that you can drink open container on the Long Island Railroad, but there are a couple of days every year that you can That, that
1: is a bit, big part of it, I would say. Yeah, they
2: used to sell, like, they used to have, like, little, like, uh, wine carts on the platform so you could get, like, a, a little can of wine. Um, but the yeah. big thing is you get beer in a giant plastic cup with a straw, like, in, like, uh-huh. a giant, like, soda cup that you would get at, like, McDonald's or whatever. Right. That is, like. And, and you- the you can't do
1: you can't do that all the time. No, I thought that was You can't do
2: that on I think the day before Thanksgiving
1: really? and
2: St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> or maybe it's like New <laughs> well, Year's and St. Patrick's Day. I forget exactly what the
1: <laughs> what the deal is,
2: but needless to say, uh the way that you get around that in high school is by buying a Gatorade at the local, you know, train station bodega and, and putting whatever amount of shitty plastic, you know, jug vodka you can find right. in there.
1: Um, work around.
2: and I'm, I'm not even you know I'm personally not saying this from experience and not even fronting about that but I've, I've witnessed it firsthand
1: underage drinkers are nothing if not innovative
2: yeah
0: really the, the yeah. southern version of that is uh, go to Sonic and get a Route 44 sized drink just like this massive uh, <laughs> 44 ounce soda and then you pour out some of it and put your preferred uh, spirit in there I've heard that right. Sonic's
2: ice is very good. Oh, it's they have amazing. like a very specific ice cube shape.
0: Yeah, it's 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 like these tiny little balls. I don't know how to explain it, but it's perfect. And everyone should have everyone should try Sonic once in their life. It's it's one of America's finest foods.
2: Sonic sponsor <laughs> us. <laughs> you know what? I
0: think I'm gonna have Sonic for lunch tomorrow, uh pre Thanksgiving. <laughs>
2: God bless. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's open to, it's one of the only places here that's open twenty four twenty four seven and like every day so it I feel like it's legendary to people who
1: who have not had it. I've never had it and I've been like you know it's on my bucket list. I don't know if it's worthy of that, but it definitely is no it's
0: gonna be like um it'll be like when in n out Burger started coming into Texas and all the people sure. that lo- from California loved it everyone that was here that already had sonic and waterburger were like, this is not. What is this with this California shit? Get this out of here. I went to a
2: DQ for the first time when I was in uh, Washington State over the summer. Um, surprisingly, it was like the DQ in the Walmart parking lot Hell in yeah. Kurt Cobain's hometown. Hell yeah. Which is just like various levels of like suburban ennui that I'm like, wow.
0: <laughs> you really <laughs> understand him now.
2: <laughs> yes. The
0: lyrics, they make more sense. <laughs>
1: Dairy Queen is legitimate. Let's not pretend it's, no, it's not great. It's great.
2: I mean, I had some very good chicken fingers. Like literally no complaints.
1: Ice cream like 75 different ways. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that.
2: Exactly.
0: So, we're actually here to talk about uh some a bunch of your reporting, Maxwell. Can you can you introduce yourself uh and then we'll we'll get into it a little bit.
1: I am Maxwell Strong. I am a reporter at Motherboard I cover technology, focus on sort of financial issues.
0: Uh, so we're having this, this lovely Thanksgiving conversation the day before Thanksgiving. It is November 22nd. At this moment right now at 11 a.m., who is in charge of OpenAI? That is a very good question.
1: Uh and I think uh, the fact that I can't give you a super hard uh answer is uh maybe evident of uh, evidence of how chaotic things have been. I mean de facto the answer is Sam Altman once again. Uh, he's agreed to come back and join the board. I don't know if the paperwork is signed. So, you know, it could technically for a few more minutes still be the Twitch CEO, Emmett Shear, who was CEO for, I don't know, a couple hours or something like that. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Sam is, uh, is back in charge after a pretty crazy five
0: days or so. What the fuck is going on? What happened? <laughs> and I know, or I, I, this is something I've been thinking about, Emily. I know that I have to stop cursing at least in the first 10 minutes when we move to YouTube. So, oh, I'm bad at that too. So, I'm, we'll, we'll,
2: we'll have a swear jar, a virtual <laughs> swear jar.
0: <laughs> we need a cyber swear jar. But what what is, <laughs> what happened five days ago? Like, what is going on over there?
1: Sure. So, the long and short of it is that, um, the board uh which is a very very particularly small board uh that is collection a strange collection of people to be honest uh was basically at odds with one another for a long time uh over some sort of ph- philosophical differences seems like maybe some personal differences and um uh some f- one faction that's more academic more doomery about ai sort of uh, formed on one side and, uh, Sam Altman and Greg Brockman, who's kind of, you know, his, one of his allies, uh, underlings, I guess you could say he was the president, uh, on the other side. And, um, the board made a move. I think there were, uh, outside of Sam and Greg, just four people that made this decision. Only four people that caused all of this news. Uh, came together and, uh, decided that they would, uh, push Sam out, uh, demote Greg and, uh, Greg later quit. So, I mean, we can get into the reasons of why they decided to do that and what the philosophical differences were, but that's the thing that sort of, uh, precipitated everything
0: that's happened since then. Uh, let's, let's back up a little bit. I know I'm kind of jumping around in our map here, but, um, I want to put OpenAI, the company into like some sort of corporate context for people before we start sure. dissecting them. This is kind of like, if you didn't know much about the company other than like its financials, it's kind of a fairy tale startup, right? Like what's their evaluation at? Like how long have they been around? How much money are they making?
1: Sure. Um, the, I mean, yes, in lots of ways they are a fairy tale uh, startup story. I mean, they are valued at something like $80 billion, I think, maybe uh, looking for, had been looking for money that would value them at 90. You know, they were, I think, valued at $30 billion a year ago. So that's, uh, you know, the 3X that you're looking for if you're a startup in a single year. They had this charismatic founder, Sam Altman, who's one of the most well-connected people in Silicon Valley, was the head of Y Combinator, which is his you know, really influential startup accelerator in the, uh, uh, in the Bay Area. Um, and, uh, yeah. And most importantly, they had two products that had really, I mean, inarguably taken the world by storm, uh, in chat GBT, which you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't know what that is at this point and Dolly, which was the sort of, uh, text to image generator that kind of took the world by storm. I think before chat GBT. So, I mean, all of those things combined, uh, you know, you have the profile of, you know, a generational startup. And a lot of people had talked about Altman, uh, you know, regardless of what they thought about him as being, you know, the the Mark Zuckerberg of the 2020s, you know, or the uh, Bill Gates or the Jeff Bezos. I mean, that was kind of the sense that people had. This person was going to define, uh the world of AI and be the public face of it in the same way that Zuckerberg uh became the face of social media. Now, what there are some key differences between OpenAI and your typical startup uh that really played a key role in what we what we've seen happen over the last five days. Uh and you know I can go into that history or not, but uh, uh the long and short of it is that it started as a nonprofit. Uh, It was not actually started as a sort of for-profit, typical, you know, raise venture capital, uh, prepare-to-IPO company. It was started as a nonprofit organization that sort of transitioned and transformed in a lot of ways into a more traditional powerhouse startup. And that caused a lot of the uh, corporate weirdness that that we've seen today.
2: Yeah, it's like... I feel very silly because I keep getting Sam Altman and Sam Bankman Fried mixed up. And it's not just because their first names are both Sam, but there's some effective altruism kind of running throughout this whole thing. And that's kind of part of the reason, like, why it seems to me, or from what I've been reading of your work and other people saying, there's a lot of, like, the philosophical differences between the effective altruism and then also effective accelerationism.
1: Yeah. Effective altruism just keeps popping its head into every major uh, catastrophe occurring in the technology sector somehow. But the way that effective altruism is popping its head in here is very different from the way that it popped its head into the FTX thing. So at FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried was a hardline believer in effective altruism and as part of their philosophy it was make as much money at all costs so that you can then donate it or use it to uh save the world in uh th- through x y or z and so it, under, in that philosophical uh school of thought you know he it didn't matter how the money was made it didn't matter if it was made unethically as long as it was accumulated and then used to save the world Effective altruism has this other aspect, though, which is a sort of doomerism related to artificial intelligence, a real fear that AI could, you know, uh, end the world, the robots take over, Terminator kills everyone, that sort of thing. Now, Sam Altman is not an effective altruist, but two of the members of the board were, uh, or at least are heavily affiliated with it, just to cover our bases. Uh, and those two people, uh, were kind of, it was surprising that they had, uh, come to, uh, have such influence at the company. They were, had no real firm association outside of that. One of them was an academic, uh, not really in the corporate world at all. Maybe that, you know, as a result of, you know, its nonprofit origins. And they became really, really worried. That Sam Altman, Greg, everyone that kind of stood with him was moving too fast, you know, breaking things, blah, blah, blah. And so those two factions, Sam on one side and this woman, Helen Toner, on the other side, started to kind of go at each other. You know, Helen even uh, wrote a paper in which she criticized OpenAI. It was a very academic paper and uh, celebrated another uh, AI startup. Um, and Sam was like, what the hell? And she was like, well, it's an academic paper. And he was like, everything you say matters to this company. And so they were kind of butting heads with each other. And increasingly, someone in the middle was uh, uh, the company's chief scientist, Elliot Setzkever, who, uh, you know, worked with Sam, but also was really a big, big big-time doomer. And so he was kind of found himself in the middle, and he consequently also was the person who kind of, Invited Sam onto the Zoom call or the Google Hangout and said, you know, we've got some news to share with you, you know, then you can see, you know, you know what happened next. They're
2: not using Microsoft Teams to do that. That feels very uh, not aligned with the brand.
1: That I think when the reporting came out, I cannot believe, I, I, I cannot imagine Microsoft was super happy about that. But yeah, <laughs>
0: Google Hangout. I'm sorry. Does anyone like Teams? No one likes Teams. i never teams. used to nope. it. No one likes Teams. Come on. My uh Karen uses it all the time and it does not look good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure even the Microsoft employees are using it reluctantly, let's be honest.
0: Uh, and Microsoft is important to this story, just as an aside before we dig into some of the other stuff, <laughs> some of the other wild things. Uh they injected <laughs> what 13 billion? They had the $13 billion investment?
1: $13 billion. So as I've said, I know there's like a million different aspects of the story. And that's why everyone's so confused. But, you know, uh, just to try and put the Microsoft thing in context. So uh, OpenAI was a nonprofit. Elon Musk was associated. Elon Musk decides he's bailing. They go, oh, we need money. It requires a lot of money to build a complex AI system. It ends up, of course, and so they go, let's kind of reformat this, create this for-profit arm. We can use it to get investment. Microsoft goes, great. I would love to, ge- we would love to give you first a billion dollars and ultimately $13 billion. Um, so they own technically 49% of the company, but unlike a typical corporate structure, You know, a company, an investor that owns forty nine percent of Generic Corporation X has a lot of sway in the decision making of that company because the board uh, is beholden to the shareholders, so the shareholders can exert a lot of influence. OpenAI actually is not like that. The board is not; it's you know, its mandate is not to please shareholders. It's to make sure effectively that AI is developed in a safe way and doesn't take over the world and that Terminator doesn't come to pass. And so as a result, you know, Microsoft has had invested all this money and did not have any, you know, legal effective power at the company. And so they were, you know, when they found out that,
0: uh, yeah, go ahead. So I'm just, I just want to make sure that I understand. So there's a nonprofit with the board. And that nonprofit is in control of the for-profit company that Microsoft has invested in. Exactly.
1: And that board is very small. And that board is very small.
0: And those two entities are separate enough that if you are Microsoft and you invest the billions into the for-profit thing, you don't have much control over it.
1: Yeah. And I mean, until Friday, there had been a pretty good argument that, you know, They were creating a better version of a corporation, you know, one a corporate or, you know, or better version of a of a business, at least, you know, one in which we can take all this money from Microsoft so that we can build all these fancy toys. But we're not, you know, in the end of the day, just like a shareholder capitalist function. Well, our shareholder, we're not just beholden to shareholders. We, in fact, have a higher mission. We're going to create a responsible AI, a better AI. And as a result, we've created a better system. That looked great until Friday when, you know, obviously shit hit the fan.
0: It's funny is when all of this originally went down, uh, I joked to myself in my own head because I remember maybe like a week ago. Uh, a hot Sam Altman quote dropped, where he said that um, AGI is going to be a magic intelligence in the sky. And I was like, oh, it sounds like they're trying to build God or something. Uh, I wonder if that's why they fired him. Um, it sounds like something like that may actually be at the root of this. I think the root
1: uh, conflict is is very similar to that. Yes. Sam, well, one way to think about it would be Sam Altman. And I'm generalizing here, but if you'll let me, Sam Altman is the Silicon Valley move fast and break things guy at the company. And then you have the, you know, more conservative members of the board and this guy, Elliot Sitskever, who is the chief scientist. And they are the, we could destroy the world. Everything could end as a result of what we are building right now. And so those two factions were constantly kind of at each other's throat. I don't know which is right, but, you know, I could say for sure that that was creating a lot of conflict at the company at the highest levels.
0: What? I, okay. It's just the whole <laughs> thing is so strange. It's just like, that was, that was really what I learned watching all because I was not paying attention to the corporate structure of open AI uh, you know, I was interested in Chat GPT and AI and their effects on society and my job, obviously. But I, not, I didn't realize how weird it was at the top of this thing. Uh, will you tell me so we know who the chief scientist is? Who are the other people on the board?
1: I'll tell you who they were two days ago, <laughs> and I'll tell you who they were now. How does that sound?
2: This is I love this.
0: <laughs> this is great. Yeah, like what? Yeah, the because I assume that. Uh when you lose a fight like this, you maybe don't get to stick around, right? It's
1: a yes, so uh let's say a year ago, there were nine people on the board, three of them left uh some of them were like Reed Hoffman, but blah, blah blah, we don't have to get uh bogged down in that that then there were six sam Altman, Greg Brockman, move fast and break things. Then you had the four others that voted against them in the end. One was Iliot Setzkever, the chief scientist, little bit doomy, but loves AI. Then you had weirdly, for reasons I still can't quite understand, uh, Adam D'Angelo, who's the Quora CEO. And then you had, uh, two other people, uh, Tasha McCauley and Helen Toner. These are the effective altruist types. One of them is weirdly, uh, married to Jor- Joseph Gordon Levitt, just as an wait, aside.
2: Wait, 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 wait. Really? <laughs>
1: That is true. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah.
2: Cool, cool, cool. So cool.
1: he's he just giving you a little bit of flavor. So anyway, that was the six. You had Greg and Sam uh, on one side versus these four od- others. The four, you know, kick them out effectively. Well, kick Sam out, Greg leaves. And blah, 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 infighting, infighting, infighting. It's all blown up through this deal that got cut basically last night. And now you have only three people on the board as of today the Quora guy remains. And then you have two kind of weird characters come in. One is Brett Taylor, who used to run the uh, uh, Twitter board, and he shoved the deal down Musk's throat. Uh, He's kind of like your kind of classic old school Silicon Valley type, former CTO of Facebook. And then for reasons I really, really, really cannot understand, uh, Larry Summers, who is just like a strange character that continues to pop up in the American story, Uh, former Treasury secretary, former Clinton guy, former Obama guy, former president of Harvard, somehow weirdly involved in seemingly every major crisis in American history. So you've only got three people there now. Now, obviously, supposedly, they're going to grow it, but who knows? So, I mean, this is a, this is a huge blow up overnight. And the, the structure isn't changing, Structure is not changing as far as i know you know by the time you publish this podcast maybe it will that's yeah. why it's really for hard the record to it about. is 11
2: 30 a.m on november 22nd again it is 11 30 a.m on november 22nd
1: it, it's hard to say anything you know it's there's lots that we don't know but i do know that the effective altruists uh, i and they are also you know i don't want to just boil them down to that alone they are you know also entrepreneurs and researchers in their own rights and i do think there's validity to being concerned about ai but they are gone they've decided they've made it cut a deal and as part of that deal sam can come back but he can't be on the board and he has to undergo an investigation into the vague claims that they had made about his communication issues so there's all sorts of weird deal making happening i mean personally i think they've they really screwed it up uh, and uh, blew their hand, but you know that's just me.
0: Yeah, talk about the because that would, the the board issued a statement. Maybe that's the wrong way to say it. The board said that the reason they fired him was that he had weird communication issues, right?
1: Yeah, that's what they said. And then everyone was like, "Well, what does that mean? Did he pull a Sam Bankman Freed? Did he uh, lie to the board? Did he?" Uh, I don't know. You there was all sorts of speculation about it was what it was publicly and at the company. They were like what did he do? What did he do that caused you to do this? And you know what ironically the they you know they 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 the accusation they leveled about him was that he wasn't good at communicating. But ever since they put out that statement their communication has been ridiculously bad both in the company just saying uh, what it, what it wasn't. It wasn't safety. It wasn't financial malfeasance, but not ever saying what it was. And they also, and this is my personal opinion, opinion, absolutely screwed it publicly because once they put out that statement, they basically went silent and Sam was able to drive the conversation through the media. And then like, we still don't know what their argument was. And that was like a huge, huge misstep. It, to me, it seems like they're, kind of more academically focused people who are a little bit out of their league in sort of this sort of succession type story, but yeah, they, they never said anything and they should. And in my opinion, they should have, I mean, even if they had to leak it through the press, because like one, I want to know. And two, if that was it, that's, you know, that's pretty weak to just say that someone has communication uh, issues and um and leave it at that. And I'm not really a Sam Altman defender. Like I don't believe that this guy is god. I think he's like a deal making, you know. He's a deal maker. He's not even like the, the 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 genius behind the all of the technological breakthroughs, but like they they really screwed the pooch is what I think personally.
2: And I mean after, you know, as this was all going on, there was that letter from all of those open AI employees who were basically saying, bring Sam back. This is ridiculous. And I remember, you know, this, this all happened so fast. So please do correct me if I am bungling anything. Wasn't it basically. If you everyone? get any, if
1: you get anything. Uh, yes. And if you get anything wrong about this story it's completely fine if i get anything wrong about this story maybe a little bit less fine but still i think socially acceptable because the amount of stuff that's come out about this over the last five years five days it's five pretty years. hard to keep your, yeah, yeah i feel like, as, it an, feels like as a total years.
2: aside i feel like you know as we were getting to record like you know getting ready to record this morning i feel like i woke up saw that sam altman was once again named the ceo of open ai or the head of the board or whatever and i was like you know I guess we've done a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff happening, but none of it matters now. Yeah, all of, we, exactly. we literally just spent a week going around and just getting back to the start.
1: Yeah. I mean that there's a whole moral somewhere in there, although I'm not sure what it is, but to answer your earlier question. Yeah. I mean, the, the employees were completely behind Sam. And I think that was actually a really important reason that, uh, the members of the board ended up cutting a deal to bring him back because, you know, they claimed, though, they're all about safety. And I believe that they really are uh the members of the board that were really concerned about it. But then what happened was you had 700, I think it was 700 of 70, 770 employees saying, if you don't bring him back and you don't resign, uh we're just going to quit and go elsewhere. And then you have a real problem on your hand that I think actually is arguably an even worse safety issue which is that you have this incredibly influential technology with no one literally running it that had created it. And that, you know, we know is a problem. I mean, you can look at, like, what happened to Twitter after they got rid of everyone. It became a disaster. The idea that ChatGBT, something similar could happen to GBT, which people are just putting in, like, untold amounts of information to every day uh, was really scary. So I think that, you know... That's not how I would exert my my uh, my influence as an employee, but you know they they wanted to do it to bring back their boss and they were successful
0: all right cyber listeners want to pause there for a break we'll be right back after this
2: this is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving olive in June olive and June gives you
0: All right, cyber listeners, we are once again on talking about open AI. So for a little while, <laughs> in the liminal space that we all lived and may still in fact be living in, uh, Microsoft was going to scoop up everybody. I
1: guess so. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, but like I said, Microsoft had no legal power as a shareholder in this situation, but they did try as hard as they could to exert control over it. So, you know, uh, Microsoft CEO was really pissed off that he didn't get uh, any notice about what was going to what it was happening on Friday. And then he was trying to get Sam, Ram Sam back into the organization on Sunday. And then when they went instead with the Twitch guy, they were, he was like, well, I'm just going to hire them all myself then. So if you basically, he was like, if you work at OpenAI uh, and you want to come work for Microsoft, come on over. And so I think that he was also, I mean, in retrospect, definitely trying to exert pressure on OpenAI to say, Bring this guy back, or we're literally going to take this thing down.
0: Uh, I want to highlight some of the the, the wilder characters in this before we put a bow on where we are at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So for a hot minute, Emmett Shear was going to be in charge. Who is Emmett Uh, Shearer? What is happening about him? What's weird about uh Spear, the sister. Twitch CEO, and Twitch guy,
1: uh, he, uh, according to his Twitter, a lot of things. Right after he uh, got announced, um, there was uh, a lot of surfacing of tweets, how can we say, of uh, a questionable uh, matter uh, uh, about some of his theories on questions about sexuality. uh, I'll leave the uh, listeners to look that up themselves. Uh, Probably shows that they did not have uh, a huge amount of vetting in the two hours before they named him. Uh, But, uh, yeah. um, I think... The main thing about Emmett was that he was a doomer. Um, He had referred to or compared AI to uh, a 10X uh, uh, fusion bomb and uh, had basically just uh, said, you know, if OpenAI was moving at level 10, he thought that they should be moving at level 1 or 2, and so, uh, uh I think that that appealed to the board, basically, especially the people, you the side of the board that wanted to move slow, so he got brought in and did a, a commendable job for about, I don't know, 24 hours.
0: <laughs> it's so strange that there is this company that seems to be one of the, other than like some defense tech stuff, one of the like big going concerns in Silicon Valley that is the hot ticket that is that was run by people who thought that they were building a nuke and maybe shouldn't do it.
1: Right. It's it's a very strange situation that I still have a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around, uh, and it's made me think: should the people? Uh, it's a failure of self-regulation, I think, if nothing else, you know, Sh- should, uh, uh, should the people within the company be responsible for putting the brakes on a, a potentially world-changing, world-altering, world-destroying technology? I think, you know, the evidence from this weekend says we shouldn't at least on their, on our own, trust them to be responsible for that.
0: Anyone who appears as a character um, in a Reddit atheist-aligned Harry Potter fanfic should not be in charge of anything. Oh, my God. How could I forget the fanfic? Don't do this to me. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know about this, right?
2: I very much know about this. This is going to be a very, very brief overview, which is because I am... Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is a fan fiction that I know of basically in name only and that it's like this huge Harry Potter fan fiction that Emmett Shear is a named character in. Um, 404 Media did an article about it last night that I haven't read yet because I try to do what I can to preserve my sanity as much as I can. Um, and knowing things about the Harry Potter fan fiction world drama, um, I've sworn off that. So.
0: So it's written by uh, a guy. Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality is written by a guy who's like the founder of Less Wrong and is one of these big, like Reddit atheists, extreme rationality guys who had a who had an op-ed in Time, uh, maybe the middle of last year, uh, about why AI is going to lead to the nuclear apocalypse. Um, he's this. Ex- he's extremely uh, doomery he's one of the guys that thinks like the, like we're going to hook up AI to uh, like 3d printers and the 3d printers are going to make diseases that will kill all of humanity because why would AI not do that? Uh, It's the rational thing for AI to do. Um, And so like here, yeah, Harry Potter, the methods of rationality is like this big fanfic opus that he wrote uh, that, that, that's like a way to rational pill, Harry Potter fans, the whole the whole thing is so weird. Is this something I have to read or that I can avoid for the rest? You of can my avoid. Life?
2: I don't think anybody in the year twenty twenty three needs to read a Harry Potter fanfic. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good.
0: Harry Potter's time is is well past us. I think for no offense of to
2: to my friends who still do that, but you know, let, let let's keep it hundred here. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like, especially when it's like Reddit rational Harry, like no one, nobody wants that. <laughs> Go read my immortal instead.
2: <laughs> exactly, thank you.
0: Um, so the other per- person I just want to have some words said about is the chief scientist. Uh, so there's there's some some stuff written in the Atlantic uh, uh, about him and how he's kind of we we've, we've already said that he's a weirdo, uh, but he would do things like lead chants at the company. What is what's what what?
1: Uh Elliot Sitzkever, probably the most interesting person in this whole tale of co- tale of corporate intrigue. I guess the the main thing that I would say is that he is well regarded as a complete genius. He is like a AI deep learning genius, one of the most well respected people in the field in the pure nuts and bolts of deep learning. He came from the academic world. He did a little bit of Google stuff. Musk personally recruited him over to OpenAI. But he also is super into uh, the sort of Doomer safety side. And so, you know, he, he uh, I think, created a sort of, uh, I'm trying to think about how to even describe this. Uh, <laughs> he basically burns a something, in effigy that was supposed to represent, uh, you know, a bad AI and it was supposed to be burning away all of like these bad AI. It, it, it,
0: he made a totem. Yeah. He, he ma- made a totem to burn an effigy as like a religious ritual to burn away the bad AI. Exactly.
1: Right? And I think the other, there was sort of almost a spiritual component to his belief. So on the one hand you had this really hard line belief in, the power of deep learning and AI. And on the other hand, he had this sort of spiritual side that said, you know, we have to remain cognizant of the fact that this can destroy the world. And like we were talking about earlier, it's a confusing dichotomy that he is so obsessed with building it. And simultaneously, you know, like uh, absolutely terrified of what he could be building. Um, But yeah, I mean, he, as a result of that, became increasingly concerned about Altman. He and he was eventually went to the board with its concerns. He's you know was worried that Altman was, you know, heading down a path that, you know, was uh the antithesis of what open AI should represent. He was the one who called Altman into the board meeting to uh get him fired. If didn't if he didn't do the firing himself, he very well might have. And then bizarrely, He switched and called for Altman to return, probably maybe because of pressure from the other employees. But he's just been all over the place. I mean, philosophically, he's building the thing and terrified of it. He, you know, wanted Altman fired, and then three days later was saying what a horrible mistake he was. Um, He he might well represent OpenAI better than anyone else because he has the tools, but he also seems to uh not quite understand the corporate world and how how to make moves in t- inside large complex organizations
0: i love watching dudes struggle with the idea of god uh and how they're unable to resolve it and then like what happens after like I, so many people like r- get real into atheism and then things can get really strange afterwards right <laughs> it's like we've got the tools to build what i th- what i would think of as a classical uh image of like god as this thing in this this thing in the sky that watches over us we should do that that sounds like a great idea right uh says some of the ai
1: scientists <laughs> i guess the thinking is like someone's going to build it we should be the ones who since we're like the responsible ones but um I think that might be a good theory that might not have realistic applications.
0: Yeah, you're spending too much time talking to your word calculator, buddy. Right, exactly. <laughs> you're you're doing some projection there, yeah, I think. Yeah. Right. Um, so let's let's expand this out away from OpenAI if we can. Uh, you also wrote this great piece before this kind of about Wall Street's love affair with the idea of AI in general you know, we're at this era where we're post crypto crash, where there's kind of this big, I would say, like, drive to find what the next tech bubble is going to be. And I would say we're firmly in the middle of the AI tech bubble,
1: right? Definitely. I think, you know, when Wall Street sees new, they see opportunity. Um, And, you know, I think that they search for uh, a technological breakthrough might mean, you know, some innovation that leads to a productivity increase that leads to more profits that means that they should invest in the company. That's one side of it. What I was interested in is how they're using, planning to use AI within the banks themselves. So, I mean, Jamie Dimond, uh CEO of the biggest bank by assets in the US, you know, he said that it's going to be critical to his company's future success. And, you know, there's all, they're already toying with ways to, you know, uh, summarize legal documents, sift through, uh, earnings reports, you know, um, sift through news reports. Um, I, that stuff I think is really interesting. There's cyber security, uh, cyber security elements, blah, blah, blah. What I'm really interested in is this kind of fringe, That is testing using AI to make investment decisions, you know, like, uh, let's entrust the AI to tell us to invest in company X, Y, and Z, and how much to invest and then to switch over to company B. That is a really big change that I think is pretty interesting. And while it's on the fringe, I suspect it's on the fringe in the way that 15 years from now, it will be part of the mainstream.
0: Yes. I mean, Wall Street embraces this kind of thing pretty readily most of the time, right? Like they were a big reason that we've got uh, some of the the internet infrastructure we do in the country is so that they can make lightning fast trades from coast to coast.
1: Yeah. I mean, they uh, – Wall Street is always looking for an edge. I mean, that's that's the whole game. Um, the inno- financial innovation essentially is looking for a way to repackage new things, to uh, old things to make them look new, or, you know, to figure out a way that they can be slightly better than the trading firm across the street. So, um, yeah, they're always looking for an edge and computers have increasingly been a part of that. That's why we had... High frequency trading becomes so popular um, uh, you know over the la- over this century. Uh, it allowed them to kind of trade faster, get an edge um, and occasionally create a flash crash that uh, would take away billions in shareholder value uh, in a couple seconds.
0: Is it possible that so like what can you get in kind of the nuts and bolts of what they're talking about actually doing with the AI?
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of different stuff. I mean, um, you know, on a more basic level of what's already happening, Vanguard, a uh, big financial intu- institution is using AI to generate retirement portfolios. Morgan Stanley has sort of a chat GBT assistant for financial advisors, help them kind of interact with clients. Uh, JP Morgan Chase is, uh created a patent for something called index gbt well supposedly that's going to help uh traders decide where to invest and then there's people on like i said you know there's people whose entire uh investment thesis is based on the development of an ai that tells them where to invest and then there's also people who are trying to use large language models J- chat gbt type things to uh You know, help traders say, like, uh, help me follow 50 stocks 24 7. Help me, uh, uh, you know, understand the rule, financial rule that through which I can make bet X, Y, and Z. So they're trying all sorts of things. Um, and, uh, to varying degrees of success, I think, you know, so far, I think, you know, uh, AI has not been able to beat the market, let's say.
0: Is this any different from, say bots that have already been deployed. I mean we've we've had those for years, right? Sam Bankman-Fried was using one. Uh I think both at uh both at FTX and Jane Street. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh I think
1: it is different. Definitely the use of large language models to try and make decisions, uh financial decisions uh, as a sort of assistant is a different sort of uh innovation that we haven't seen before it comes with concerns because a lot of large language models tend to be, uh, wrong a lot of the time. So <laughs> that could be, uh, a concern. Um, I think also, you know, the, uh, the idea of using complex, you know, generative AI, uh, to create a portfolio, uh, is a different sort of thing than just using a bot. I mean, betterment is like a robo advisor. Uh, and they kind of have algorithms or models that they create and then allow it to kind of do its thing. Uh, that is different from having a sort of quote unquote smart, uh, generative AI that's sort of making the decisions on its own learning, uh, you know, and, and developing a thesis as we go. Um, that is different. It, it's, you know, it potentially creates more autonomy by the AI, uh, which could be, Uh, of concern if it makes a incorrect decision and invests, you know, $10 trillion into, I don't know, uh, bookstores or something like that, you know, and then, you know, everyone's like, wait, why have we overinvested in bookstores? Creates a bubble crash. I think that's the concern.
0: I'm sure Michael Lewis will write a wonderful book. I'm
1: sure that he will. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully he, uh, Uh, find someone who isn't committing a major massive fraud (laughs) 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 to profile this time well he would profile the ai and really humanize it sure sure in a very touching manner for sure Mm -hmm. yeah
2: i just want a social network of of this entire year's you know tech rise and downfall
1: oh my god
2: When when are we getting that is my question
1: i i i promise you that there are 45 agents in Hollywood right now fighting for, <laughs> you know, 10 scripts or something like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Whichever one can sign Trent Reznor to do the score. Just let me know when that's exactly,
0: out. Exactly. exactly. I would love Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Sam Altman.
2: <laughs> it needs to be an inside job.
0: Yeah. It's the, uh, they, they hire Aaron Sorkin to write, their version of what happened the 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 correct
1: the the movie i want to see is uh sam bankman freed versus the binance ceo you know like kind (laughs) of like they were rivals and it seems like the binance ceo like basically took down or started sam bankman's free fall and then you know he fell you know this week he fell as well
0: and then we like, and we made fun of the Michael Lewis book, but I actually do think uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there, and a lot of the Binance, a lot of the stuff between them, he captures their like interpersonal yeah. rivalry pretty well, and it's pretty fascinating. Also, nice segue. I
1: I know how to segue. What can I say?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's 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 going on here? So we're we're a year out from the crypto crash. We're dead. We're deep in the aftermath. He was C Z was kind of the last, one of the last guys standing, right? Yeah.
1: Uh CZ Champing Zhao uh, is the CEO of Binance, which is the world's largest crypto exchange. I think Sam Bankman, Freed, and him were, you know, they were the big rivals, the big two of the industry. Um, and I think, you know. Ironically, Sam fell first. I think there were always a few more questions about CZ. Uh, he lives in the UAE. They really had no company headquarters. There were all sorts of sketchy seeming things that were happening. Uh, but after Sam Brinkman Freed fell, he was like kind of the last man standing in a lot of ways. Um, but. As these things go, uh, the, um, U.S. federal agencies were, uh, well under, uh, well underway in a, uh, long investigation into all sorts of stuff that, well, I guess we can say now, uh, was completely illegal. Uh, and so this week he, uh, kind of surprisingly said that he would step down, plead guilty to a criminal charge. And so he's out at Binance, um, the company is going to pay a $4 billion fine, uh, related to charges like, uh, you know, allowing Americans to trade with Iranians and Russians and things like that, which is against the law for all sorts of reasons. And, um, yeah, but Binance will continue under a new, new CEO. I think that was a big part of the deal. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, he's, It's a fall from grace, and it's almost so much faster and less dramatic that I think it's going to go a little bit more under the radar than Sam's.
0: Well, He wasn't the – CZ was never as big like a personality or a character as Sam was, right? Sam was hanging out with with football stars and was very seen uh, and was trying to be the face of this thing in a way that CZ wasn't.
1: I think Sam was trying to be the face for like the general – general person who didn't know who crypto was you know the your your mom's face of crypto is what sam was i think uh cz i think instead has sort of like i mean in the crypto space he was like a god you know they were like bowed down to him they just thought he was an absolute genius smarter than everyone else you know um Always seem to be a step ahead of the US, kind of laughing at the federal agencies, pretending to be in compliance and then saying, you know, no KYC behind the scenes. I mean, um, he was, you know, he kind of represented a little bit of like the thumbing of the nose, um, at, you know, people who thought that, you know, the rules should apply to them. Um, and you know, like their, their whole mantra is to create a, freer flow of money and it seems like they they definitely did that because <laughs> the money was flowing pretty freely between uh uh or at least through them and some terrorist organizations that came out
0: yeah it turns out you can't just invent securities on out of whole cloth and then say they're not securities and shouldn't be regulated like securities
1: yeah i mean that i think uh plays more into uh, sec investigation that's ongoing so we have not seen the last of it but uh Seems like he's, uh, gonna go into the background. He was saying that he's gonna take some time off, maybe start investing a little. Maybe I know the funniest thing was that he was like, and I might make myself available for mentoring if people are interested.
2: I, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I don't know. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's a pretty crazy thing to say. Like, Hey, I just stepped down from my organization and pled guilty uh you know my company had to pay a 4 billion dollar fine uh i'm basically a disgrace now and i'm available if you want to you know chat about you know how to start your
0: startup
2: just put time on my calendar
0: yeah exactly <laughs> you learn more from failure than you do from success that's de-
1: that's, that's true. definitely true and in that in that way i guess he has a lot to tell people
0: like would you rather talk to napoleon right after the bout, like right, you know, right at the height of his power? Or do you want to interview Napoleon when he's in exile on the island? Yeah, I will
1: say I'm, I'm, I'm joking a little bit. I'm obviously saying these things in jest. I don't really feel the need to be super kind to CZ, but uh, he did say, you know, like at a minimum, you can, I'll tell you what not to do. You know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're my, me- if you're my mentee, I'll tell you what if- mistakes to avoid.
0: good times all right maxwell i think i think that about covers this week's wild news thank you so much for coming on to cyber uh everyone enjoy your thanksgiving have
1: a good thanksgiving guys
2: bye everyone
0: bye